0: Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. We have a guest with us today, uh, which I'm very grateful to have from a a long ways away. I didn't calculate how many miles, but thousands. uh, Pastor Guy Shaw, who is in um, Umschlange, which is just outside of Durban on the east coast of uh, South Africa. He's in, in Umschlange Baptist Church. Um, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about what's going on there in Africa with uh, the recent events that have been in the news and what it's like to do gospel ministry there and what the effect of government policies over the last 20 years have been. So, Pastor Shaw, thank you so much.
1: Thanks, John. It's a real joy to uh, be joining you today. And we've been um, following your uh, YouTube ministry over the past year. Really have appreciated your commitment to, to the gospel of, of Jesus Christ so obviously, I'm a, I'm a white South African. Um, many people, when they think of Africa, they um, I remember once I was in the States and I met some people and they said, but you're white. And I said, yes, I'm white. And they said, but you're from Africa. And I said, yes, I'm from Africa. My ancestors were from Scotland many um, a few hundred years ago. And so in South Africa, we have a great diversity when it comes to um, cultures. And um, it's it's been a joy for me to spend my entire 50-something years of life here in South Africa. I grew up uh, in the apartheid years, very much in the thick of the apartheid years. And uh, there were um, rules in place in our country that prevented people of certain races from being allowed to go into certain areas and have the privileges which we as white South Africans enjoyed. I also spent two years uh, in compulsory military service uh, in the late 80s. It was compulsory at that stage for all white male South Africans to serve in the military, which was really a um, a tactic to keep apartheid afloat, to ensure that there was a strong military presence. And so I got to see um, much of, of the happenings uh, in, on the political scene in South Africa during that time from a military perspective. Um, subsequent to that, uh, the Lord called me into uh, pastoral ministry. And I, I spent um, four years in a seminary preparing for that. And I've been pastoring uh, two churches uh, for the past 20, 24, 25 years. And so it's a great joy to be a South African. I really count it as a, as a, as a privilege to be on the southern tip of Africa. And um, Africa has uh, 90 or so countries, some people think that Africa is one big country, but it's got ninety different countries of various sizes, and South Africa is um, the one, obviously, on the on the southern tip of of Africa. So, yeah, it's it's been an interesting journey to have grown up during the apartheid years. My own children don't know the apartheid years; they've grown up in a fully democratic South Africa. In nineteen ninety four, we had our first. Uh, completely free and fair elections, where everybody in the country who was entitled to to vote legally was able to vote, and so that's uh, what's what, that? 27 or so years ago, that South Africa became a fully democratic country. Um, I was very interested to see yesterday somebody had uh, posted a, on social media a photograph of one of the the lines of people to vote. Uh, back in 1994 and they posted a similar line from last week towards the end of last week where people were in lines to get food from supermarkets that had run out of food due to the unrest which which took place in South Africa last week and they compared the two and they said surely after 27 years of democracy things should be different and so that that kind of really really did, did strike me so essentially, um, John, what really happened is last week, um, we, wo- we woke up Monday morning to um, news that unrest had broken out, particularly in our province of South Africa, which is on the East Coast. Uh, it's a lovely, temperate temperate climate, uh, wonderful weather. And uh, we-, we awoke to the fact that um, trucks had been burned and there was unrest. And that unfolded during the course of the Monday into the Tuesday to uh, large-scale looting of, of uh, shops, uh, warehouses, car dealerships, whatever you want to call it. People went crazy and, and literally just um, broke down um, doors, broke down a warehouse um, roller doors, and there was wide-scale looting that took place. And so that's how last week really unfolded. It, we have not seen anything like that on the scale that it happened. Um, certainly in my lifetime, I don't remember it happening like that. What, so it
0: was, could you give us a, an idea of the scale? Um, how how much looting are we talking about? And, and were there people that were killed as well?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so so the looting was widespread across our province. And, and that mainly relates to the fact that... Um, Our former president in South Africa, President Zuma, who's now incarcerated for failing to appear before a a, a judicial commission, um, most of his supporters were within our province in terms of culturally. And so that's that's why the the looting and things really were uh, mainly located in our our home province. Um, It was very widespread. Every small town, every large city within our province was affected in some way. Uh, Durban itself, which is a city of, of about three and a half million people, I think it is, um, wide areas of Durban were affected. Primarily, the looting took place in the industrial areas w- with warehouses. But um, many, many supermarkets and shops were were completely stripped of, of everything. And bare shells were, were left. And this this unfolded over the course of, of two days. And it was going on uh, daytime and, and nighttime. Uh, we obviously social media uh, was a was a picture a window to what was happening as well as um, internet services and that kind of thing so many small towns have been literally devastated by um, by the looting that took place in one of the towns where i have family members living 50 percent of the shops in the town were completely looted the doors were broken down the windows were broken uh, everything inside was taken and that was anything from a clothing shop to a food shop to a furniture store to, to a liquor store, whatever it was. Um, there were people who were killed and they were um, some, some of the looters were killed during the looting um, either through a stampede, but certainly a number of looters were, were killed um, by bullets, people defending other uh, businesses or residential areas. So personally, I spent um, four nights every evening from 8 p.m. to 12 p.m. last week alongside my um, community members guarding our local residential area, blockading the entrance streets to make sure that um, none of the looters made their way towards our residential areas. We were safeguarding our properties, our families. Um, Praise God that didn't happen. Um, and, and they didn't come to our area, but many residential areas were, were fairly affected by it. Um, and it, it's sad to see. And yeah. a lot of cleanup has since happened. And so I was driving around a bit yesterday and today, and a lot of the areas have been cleaned. But last week, they looked like a, a, a war zone. It, it really was not a, not a good sight, and certainly not the picture of what we would want for us, our country as proud South Africans and, and citizens in this country
0: uh is is there a concern that it's going to happen again or is there just nothing left to loot?
1: <laughs> well there's there's always a concern that it could happen again you know um, supermarkets have been restocked uh supply chain trucks have been working tirelessly all weekend to get food back into stores and um, because the stores were shut most stores were shut for about four days even the stores that had food you could not access food so you had to Make do with whatever you had at home. There's always the the thought, and and, and this is where social media plays its part. Um, you know, voice notes go around, get spread around with um, rumours that that trouble is going to start again. Um, I think the situation at this, this stage is pretty much under control. The the police and and uh, the military have got involved to stabilise the situation. Um, we're not in a state of of disaster, a state of uh, emergency. But um, the the security forces are doing what they need to do. But I I really want to commend the neighborhoods for for standing up and ensuring that their communities were protected. I think many would recognize that the the state failed to to protect the citizens quick enough. And that had had it not been for the um, local communities who stood together and ensured that their loved ones and properties were protected, things may have been very different. So, wow. um, wow. yeah, it's, it's been a pretty unique situation. I praise God that things seem to be peaceful at the moment. Um, and I really pray that that it stays that way, uh, for yeah. the immediate future. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you for giving us, uh, um, picture of what's happening over there since you're living there I'm not and most of the audience listening isn't but what we've heard uh is that um from a lot of major media like BBC etc organizations is poverty is the root cause of all of this and uh yeah there was this situation with the ex president and and um I I I guess the people affiliated with the Zulu tribe primarily were angry and so they decided to spark this but that it really wasn't that it was poverty and and kind of a holdover from apartheid that really caused this. Um, and of course, we're used to hearing these things all the time in the United States, and I'm sure Great Britain and other Western countries about colonialism or slavery or um, yeah. in you know, indigenous manifest destiny, yeah. indigenous land taking that and that all the all the problems are really rooted in these things. But uh, as you pointed out before, you know there's been democracy, uh, wide widespread democracy for 20 years, and um, and this just doesn't seem like it should be. And and those and those who thought that uh, rolling back apartheid, which we'd probably all agree with, but the way that it was done and 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 the result of it has probably surprised some of those who would have been. Very much in favor of that, thinking that that would solve a lot of the problems. So I, I'm curious to hear you, as a Christian pastor, um, maybe talk about what what's the root cause. What's really happening? And, I, and we know sin, but specifically in that situation, what's really going on to spark something like this?
1: Yeah, yeah, John. I mean, I was going to say obviously sin is at the root cause. I attended a conference a number of years ago, and the speaker spoke about the the heart of the problem being a problem of the heart. And so we know that 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 is the the, the primary root cause. I think um, I would say many of our people in our country live in abject poverty. Uh, the, the unemployment rate is is over 30%, um, which is, a, which is a, re- a really high number. COVID and the pandemic has not helped. Uh, some of those who had jobs have lost those jobs. So there certainly is that element of a feeling of hopelessness in, in many people who would Perhaps desire to work hard and earn a living, so they can put their head down on their pillow at night, knowing they've done a good a good day's work to earn their wages. But sadly, even though democracy has existed in South Africa since 1994, this the state really has failed to, um, in my opinion, to move from from being a liberation organization which set, set people free and brought democracy into South Africa. They failed to, to make the transition from a liberation organization to a good governing uh, party who are able to uh, do the best for the people, to uplift those who for many years were, were kept down by the legal laws in South Africa. And so John, quite frankly, you know, 27 years on in our country with our abundant resources, tourism, um, so many so our infrastructure. We 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 are top when it comes to to infrastructure, roads, um, many of those things. Our country should be flourishing, and, and it's sad to see because for most of us, we desire that all the peoples of our country are uplifted in 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 any way through education and through through job opportunities, but but that has not. That has not happened. And what has happened instead is that uh, the few at the top have enriched themselves even further, uh, and the ones at the bottom have been left with, with nothing. And so I think uh, poverty was not, in my opinion, the primary cause of the unrest last week. Um, I, I, it's, it's certainly come to light that the state um, really have been or did use the people uh, to achieve their own political purposes over the past week. There's, our president alluded on, on Friday evening in a, in a nation address that there were attempts, in his opinion, to overthrow the government during this time, that it actually had nothing to do with uh, poverty, it had nothing to do with people being hungry or jobless, but the, pe- the, the common people were used uh, for, for political purposes. And, and to, again, for me, that's, that's a tragedy, that people... Uh, who have nothing uh, could be used to create a situation in which many of them are going to have even less because they're going to lose their jobs. The economy is going to be worse off because of the unrest. And many of them will lose their jobs. I've heard um, of businesses that have closed that will never open again because the owners of those businesses simply do not have the resources to restart the business. Some of those businesses employ hundreds of people who will now no longer have jobs. And so it's created a, a really, um, I think, a, a situation that's even worse than it was before. So there's short-term gain. Those who looted may have um, gained some some extra um, possessions. They may have gained some extra groceries for their cupboards for a very short period of time, but that's temporary. Yeah, When all of those things are eaten uh, and the TVs that, that have been taken break down They're going to be left again hopeless. And so I I, I realize that many people point to to poverty as the cause of this. But sadly, it seems to have come to light that political uh, forces who've been trying to win power have um, actually used the people uh, in an attempt to to gain what they want to gain to the loss of, of the common man and the common woman.
0: Well, this is very similar in some ways, it sounds like, to what happened here last summer uh, with mm-hmm. the Black Lives Matter riots uh, that burned down, I don't know how many cities and businesses, and um, there was just a lot of violence. It was scary for a lot of people who live near those yeah. places, and now there's max exodus. People are leaving, and it's leaving these communities in a worse spot than they were before uh, mm-hmm. with all, all that fine, not just money leaving, but you know, responsible mm-hmm. citizens so forth. Um as a pastor, you know, you're, you're pastoring there. And um, the situation we, we've covered on this podcast, I've talked about um, the farmland situation, the uh, attempts at reparations and adjusting for past uh, abuses and things of, of this nature, and, and how they've really been kind of failures, both in, in your country and in our country, uh, the, yeah. whatever attempts have been made here. Um, but in the church, you know, the church we know is an institution from God that is separate from the government. And right now there's a big push to for the church to be activist in this political sense in the same way the government is that the church needs to um, somehow uphold those who have been oppressed historically uh, by doing some kind of a quota system or, um, or or platforming people that that are black or or brown or, you know, different color than a white person uh, or, or a gender or something like that. That's uh, you yeah. Know, yeah. women. Um, so, so there's, there's attempts at reparations and there's all kinds of things. And I'm sure those things have been going on in South Africa for probably longer and probably at a stronger, um, in a stronger way. I'd be curious to hear what you have to say about that in the church. How do you navigate tension? Um, cause there is tension. It sounds like along long, not just racial lines in, in the way that an American would think of it, but these tribal lines, which is what happened last week. And, um, and then what's your response to, to, I'm sure I don't know who's there pushing that. I don't. You're probably not listening to. Is it Desmond Tutu or the? Yeah. Uh, you're not listening to those people. But w- when you hear the, that line of thinking, what do you have to say to it?
1: Yeah. So our, our stance as a, as a church is that that our calling is to is to preach the gospel and to remain faithful to to the scriptures, and that God, when he when he saves people through through Christ, through faith in Christ. He brings them into a a true family where everybody's equal. And um, so our aim is to never um, arrange the the ministries of our church or to have a a particular focus in our church that is dictated along racial lines. We had to preach the gospel. And um, when I started this church about six and a half years ago, uh, there were certainly people of um, color who were here. Um, our, our area itself is is quite a, a mixed area in terms of cultures and races, which is which is wonderful. Um, but it's never been my intention, or the intention of the leadership of our church, to do anything special to draw people of any particular race into our church. So we have decided that our job is to preach the gospel in its purest form, to stick to the scriptures, to to allow people to know. That when they come to Christ, they become part of of his church, where everybody is equal at the foot of the cross. Everybody is uh, received with equal dignity. We worship together. We're an English-speaking church. So what a lot of churches have done in South Africa is in order to to become multicultural, they ensure that um, they they incorporate different languages into the church service. So they may try and sing songs of different uh, African languages or whatever it might be. Um, I've seen it happen before. Sometimes it works, and in my opinion, it it doesn't always work too successfully. Um, I think it, it tries to create some some artificial uh, lines which 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 don't always work successfully. I think what you've got to do is when you stick with the word and you stick with the gospel, that all are, are equal in Christ, it creates a, a natural drawcard to the ministries of the church. And so I've found over the last six and a half years that as we've adopted that approach, that we have seen the church naturally become a multiracial church. So we, have, um, we are predominantly um, white, I would say, if I can use that description, but we have many other cultures who are um, who happily join us on a Sunday morning uh, and are happy to be in a service where we sing in English, we preach in English, um, and yet they are part of this church. And if you had to speak to any of them, they would identify the Umschlange Baptist Church as their home church. They love to be here. They, during last year, during the, the hard lockdown where we were restricted from meeting, um, some of the... The, the, the people in the church shared their sadness over not being able to meet together as the body of Christ. And they shared how much they value being together as the body of Christ, being uh, white or Indian or black or whatever it might be. Um, they, they really um, cherish what God has done. And so our approach has very simply been not to create anything artificial along um, race lines, but to allow Christ to build his church as he said he would, for us to remain faithful to to the authority of the word of god and to preach the gospel and to to show dignity to everybody who um is is part of the the family of christ so that, that's that been our approach i don't know if that kind of makes sense or if there's anything yeah, well, more around that
0: that's what i'm most familiar with uh but today that's being that's not enough in, in the minds of so yeah, many sure. They think that you, you must do something extra and yeah yeah um now it doesn't sound like so the the looting and all of what happened last week did not approach close to your it wasn't in your backyard uh, it was it was in your province or, or yeah. it was a province that you were used i don't want to yeah. use the wrong word okay yeah
1: province province so south africa is made up of a number of different provinces that really are geographic they'd be states so It'd be if like you're thinking in okay. us terms it would be a state they're not they're not as as self-governing as yeah. the us states are they still fall under uh, the larger government, they're less able to have flexibility in making laws that are particular to that, pro- that particular yeah. province. Uh, but, but certainly, I would John, probably as the crow flies, the closest looting to us would be one and a half or two kilometers. Let's, let's say a mile, mile and a half, maybe. Um, yeah. There was a factory, a, a, a pesticide factory that was petrol bombed. Um, we've had to live with the fumes blowing over us for the uh. last five days nobody knows what's in the fumes nobody's saying the company is not saying Um, we every now and again when the wind changes direction we just get these fumes coming over us the fire department tried to put out the fire water got into the stormwater system which got into the local lagoon killed the fish life so there's all kinds of things going on at the moment that are not great but it was close to us but because well, of that is, because close. It, that is close. Yeah, no, that is close. That's really close. <laughs> Let, let's put it this way: um, there were a few nights where where we could hear gunshots and 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 that kind of thing. So yeah, that's close. It was, it was close. <laughs> yeah. And um, what really separated us out from from everybody else is that there uh, there's a national road that goes between where the looting was happening and where we are, and there's another suburb uh, next to us, and those guys took. Serious precautions to ensure that any looters wouldn't get across to them, and therefore we were protected de facto because they were they were guarding their neighbourhood. So, but but no, I, I mustn't try and under understate things, John. It was close by, and and so um, it, there were things happening within a, a five mile radius of us. There were some pretty pretty nasty things that were taking place. I, I didn't ever particularly feel um, at risk um, maybe that's the peace of God that was, was upon me and my family. Uh, my, my daughters and my wife were a little bit more uneasy about things. Um, perhaps because I was out there, uh, spending time with the guys who were in touch with, uh, security forces and things, and I was hearing what was happening. Perhaps it was easier for me to, to kind of get the bigger picture. But, but yeah, I don't want to, I won't understate it and say that it was somehow happening sort of 50 miles away. It was, it was on our doorstep without being on our doorstep. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. it sparked a bunch of questions in my mind, as you say this, and you know, we're both um, I'm Scottish as well, descended from people. And you know, we both have lost our accents, unfortunately, uh, yeah. and gained yeah. new ones, but um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're known to be an independent lot, those Scottish people. Yeah. And uh, in the united states a lot of them settled in appalachia and they're, they're that's that's where in america they say the gun nuts live right the people that have all the guns who uh yeah, yeah, maybe a yeah. sign on their property that survivors will be shot or something don't come on my
1: <laughs> we've heard about all of those things yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so i'm on the edge of appalachia where i live right now but uh so one of the things that has been happening over the last few years in the united states is as uh, violence seems to be increasing especially in urban areas um but, but you don't know. I mean, it, it comes to the rural areas um, now and then as well. Churches are starting to invest in more security measures. Mm-hmm. And um, people that I just never thought would own a firearm are now buying firearms yeah. and trying right. to protect themselves. And, um, and, I, and these are Christians, a lot of the people I'm referring yeah. to. Uh, South Africa has been doing that a lot longer, I think. They're a lot more independent, I, I gather at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is that something that's just common, or are, are the churches all do they all have security, or they all are are the men um, taking their responsibilities and their minds seriously? Of we protect mm-hmm. our, our church, we protect our families and that kind of thing. I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, so so I would say that I, I, I think that's happening more in, in the U.S. than it's happening here. I, I've not heard too many churches where where somebody would be carrying a firearm when they come to church. There are certainly okay. those that. Um, that Firearm, of course, not, not but I'd say some of these um, instances that we've seen where a church in the U.S. Uh, there, there's a gunman who comes in and, and members of the congregation take out their weapon and they they protect the people. Um, i have not heard too many of those stories here in South Africa. Um, okay, so security in South Africa is is more around the issue that the, the the security. Um, precautions that put that churches put in place here in South Africa is more linked to uh, a crime of people breaking and entering taking taking property and that kind of thing it's not it's not necessarily security that's linked directly to um, to lives being under threat um, there are areas perhaps around Johannesburg that churches would maybe um, have armed security to protect cash offerings, you know, people giving their tithes and offerings and that kind of thing. We, we've not had to do that in our church. Uh, we have we have a security system to protect our building when we're not here so that there's an alarm system, but we don't have any kinds of elaborate security measures in place. If you were to ask me, are any of the um, the men or the ladies who come to our church on a Sunday morning packing? I'm not too sure. You may not want <laughs> to, to answer that. I...
0: yeah well i I was just my
1: knowledge they're not but um they could be and and certainly i don't want to be naive to think that some of them are not
0: yeah well i think because so much of what i've heard um it's not a perfect parallel but because there's so many similar issues between the united states and south africa i i almost wonder okay south africa might be a view into 10 years ahead or or where where things are going in the united states in some ways and so that's why i ask these questions is okay is, is this something that churches in the United States will have to, to think about even more? Um, what, one of the things I wanted to ask you maybe more in closing though, because uh, I know we, we've already talked for a while, which I'm, I'm actually shocked that, we, that it feels like we've only been talking for about five minutes, but um, yeah, yeah. in the United States, uh, there with the social justice uh, movement and how it's progressed and taken over the church almost overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a pressure like in the united states there's a, there's very much a pressure is that the same in south africa where there's a pressure from i don't know who the influential religious leaders are there but do they try to enact some kind of a shame upon people who don't go along with what the anc wants or, or i don't know what's that like yeah.
1: so so the, there's always been an element of social justice in south africa from the apartheid years which you mentioned the name of bishop desmond tutu so he would have fallen into that category and by and large, a lot of your evangelical churches back then would have shied away from, from any kind of links to any any social justice movement. Over the last 15 years, 15, 20 years or so, that that has tended to become more mainstream in evangelical churches, the, the pressure to, to conform to social justice issues. And in fact, uh, I would say it's it's gaining gaining momentum um, even as we speak. This, at this time. Um, and so churches are being pressured to not just preach. In fact, a lot of um, churches are being told, well, all you people do is you just, you just tell people about the Bible. You don't do anything to change people's lives. Um, and so that guilt does get heaped upon churches who are not doing anything in, 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 in aligning themselves with the social justice movement, to, to get with the program. Because if you don't get with the program, then you're kind of missing the boat. You, you're, not, you're not a of where things should be. Um, yes, by all means, preach the gospel, but, but this is where we're at. We're at justice, social justice issues now in our modern world context. And so yeah, John, there is a lot of pressure to get with the, the social justice movement. Um, and I'd say it's, it's growing in momentum um and spreading certainly across our uh, baptist denomination here in south africa um things are there's increasing pressure not not formally there's no formal pressure Uh, we're we're not we're actually not a denomination we're a a union of churches who who voluntarily associate together Um, there's no real hierarchical structure but there's no there's no um sort of um, policy pressure to conform but it would be almost more from even amongst pastors themselves uh, moving in their circles, kind of saying, well, what are you guys doing on the social justice issue? And, and you'll, you'll be frowned upon if you're not publicizing all of your social justice uh, work on, on social media and, and um, almost as a way of attracting people to your church, because they see how much, how much good you're doing. Um, and so they'll want to come to your church because, well, we can see how much you're doing uh, for social justice. And therefore, we are attracted to your church. Uh, we, we want, again, I'll come back to this. Uh, we, want the, we want the gospel to be the, the high point of, of the ministry of our church. And, and we, we don't want anybody to come here. Look, people will obviously come here for different reasons. And God uses those reasons to bring them but we don't want anybody to come here to say, look, we're at this church because you're a social justice activist church. And that's why we're here. We want people right. to come here because they say that we believe in the gospel. We we believe in the authority of scripture. And, and that's why we want to be at this church. Um, you know, um, good works results uh, from being in Christ. And, and for every uh, member of our church, we pray that they are, living out the fruit of being a Christian wherever God has placed them, that they are the salt and the light where God has put them. We as a church don't need to um, invent or bring about a massive social justice project in order for good to be done. Good needs to be done through the individual Christians who are going out there every single day and they're encountering those who are unbelievers and are able to, as God moves them and as God gifts them, to, to start various ministries or projects that do reach out to people, uh, reach out to the hungry, reach out to those who need clothing or whatever it might be. But we don't want that to become the primary driving program of our local church. We want yeah. the gospel and scripture yeah. to remain the high point. Yeah.
0: Well, it sounds like uh, we need to be praying for South Africa for the political situation, mm-hmm. as well as the church and that they would, uh, there would be faithful churches like yours that um do not bend to the pressure. Um, now, yeah. uh, I mentioned the name of your church, um, Umshlanga Baptist Church. Is there a website for your church if people want to uh, check out any of your yeah. sermons or what would that yeah. be?
1: So our, our web, yeah, our website is www.umschlangebaptist.co.za um, and uh, that's spelled U M H L A N G A, and then Baptist B A P T I S T. .co.za, which is a south african domain uh, right. domain name yeah well i, I do appreciate it so, yeah. and uh... you know, I'm, I'm i'm waiting for your for, for your book um social oh. justice your social justice book. well i, I have say, it on hope... order and <laughs>
0: from amazon COVID, or from me Covid has
1: delayed okay Covid has delayed the delivery of the book to my home i would have had it by now already but because of the current <laughs> COVID wave that's that's coming through South Africa, the online delivery service have notified me they've had a delay in the book oh, no. being delivered to me. So I'm, I'm looking forward well, to getting the book. You know, I, I am curious. to reading.
0: I've never had to ship to South Africa, so it's uh it, you got it from Amazon, I'm assuming they must have their printers there in South Africa no. too. No. Did no,
1: I got, I got it from a I got it from a South African online um, oh. company called Loot. L-O-O-T dot okay. and I ordered it through them and they obviously source it through whoever. And, and that's probably also been the delay in terms of getting the book. I got so I'm, you. I'm looking forward to it being delivered to my to my home in the next yeah. couple of weeks
0: all right well you have to let me know what you think of it and it's it's mostly yeah. about the united states it's a history of what happened here sure. but uh I that. Um, yeah but yeah i'm, I'm almost There's finished. a lot yeah. of
1: parallels a lot of parallels
0: there are yeah yeah i'm almost finished with yeah. the next one which is more of an in-depth but uh Um, And I I think I actually have a chapter about South Africa in it and just kind of will we learn the lessons in the United States uh, from looking at South Africa. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you for um, all of the wisdom that you've shared with us. And uh, God bless you.
1: Yeah, thank you, John. Really appreciate it. Bye now. Bye.